Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We have a great blessing today. I'm here with with a friend of mine, Pastor Virgil Cain. He's a pastor of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. And one of the great gifts as Catholics and really as Christians is that we're united in Christ. There's the gift of the baptism that brings us together in this oneness that St. John Paul II reminded us that we should strive to be one as Jesus was one to the Father. And, and we're doing a little bit of that today. The topic today is seeing and sharing stories of faith. In summertime, all of us uh, are getting together with family and friends. Why not, the ways we've grown deeper in our own faith, why not share some of the stories if you're around a campfire, if you're at the beach, if you're in the mountains, or sitting around watching the fireflies, or having coffee in the morning. It's recognizing the stories of faith and God is moving and God is acting all the time. So a special welcome, welcome Virgil. Thank you, Father Brian. I'm very pleased to be with you today. And it has been a, a blessing that we have known each other for about 15 years. We have. It's, it's quite a fulfilling friendship, and I'm very grateful that the Lord has brought us together. Yeah, and continues to do so. What would you say, what, what are some experiences of faith that you could share with our listeners and so that more we can keep our eyes wide open? Well, it's sort of fascinating to me. I believe we can keep our eyes wide open, and that's so important, especially I was thinking as you opened and began talking about campfires and family gatherings, the greatest gift that we desire for those we love is that they also know the love of Christ. That's right. So that the eternal gift belongs to all of us and that we know we have this connection through the communion of saints, through this extraordinary gift of Christ that compares to nothing else that the, that the world has to offer. But certainly, I can think of a few stories of, of things that have happened along the way. But one, one that stands out in particular to me was an, probably a good 15 years ago, maybe even a little longer than that. It was before I began a pastorate. I was still working a regular job in Baltimore at a law firm. And I had gone to the Hudson River Valley to sort of see some of the historical sites. And I was gone for a couple of days and, and on my way home, I encountered a really heavy storm near Allentown or Bethlehem, somewhere in that area. Sure. And I had to pull over and wait about an hour and a half. And it, it really delayed my trip home. I, I was driving home much later than I anticipated. And when I was probably less than 20 minutes from my house, going down a small stretch of a, of a local highway, I saw on the other side of this road in the darkness this figure, this 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 person walking toward toward the opposite direction that I was going. But I thought to myself, something tugged at my heartstring and said, "This something's maybe not right here. You should you should see if you can offer to help." And so I turned around and went back and and I pulled over and it was a young man. And he was walking down the road and I asked him if he needed a ride and he said yes, he would appreciate that. And so he get he got into the car and I started journeying on and I, he told me where he lived and it wasn't far just a few miles down the road and we were on our way and I couldn't help myself and I said to him it's really dark out here you're not 
you're not wearing the proper clothes to be walking at night. Is everything okay? Is something really wrong? And he said, well, I was in the car with someone, but we got into an argument and I had to get out and walk because I couldn't take it anymore. And I said, oh, I'm really sorry that you had that fight. Was it something serious? And he said, well, yes. Last night I wanted to commit suicide. Oh my. And I, I immediately felt the, the, the tingles and the goosebumps. I thought to myself, how can this be? And so I was listening to his story. I, I said to him, well, could you tell me a little bit more about this? And, and he went on to share more of his story, which I, I'm not going to share in this space, but it was, it was quite an interesting story. And I, I, we came to his home and we sat in the, park, in, the, in, the, in the parking lot there for a little bit. And I continued to engage him in conversation. And I said to him, I think we need to follow up with this later. And he said, oh, okay. That's fine. But he was a lot younger by at least, I don't know, eight or nine years, I, I was guessing. Yes. And, and so, so I thought he probably won't follow up with me. But I was really concerned because he had mentioned suicide. Right. So, if, so within a few days when I had not heard from him, I took it upon myself to sort of track him down and, and find him. And we did spark a friendship. We started getting together and meeting and talking about what was going on in his life and and what had brought him to that place. And he assured me that he would, in some way, get some help for the great issues that he was dealing with. And in the meantime, I realized, I thought when he was in my car, his voice sounded kind of familiar, but I didn't recognize him. He was rather, rather young. And then when we finally did get together, I realized he was the younger brother of a friend of mine from high school. Wow, wow. But they were living in a different home, a different location, and then, then when I had known this family probably 10 years earlier. So it was really fascinating to me that God had worked all of this out. I, I realized immediately when he said those words to me in the car, the rainstorm that had delayed me and frustrated me and infuriated me because I had to sit for an hour and a half and in a parking lot at a Wendy's waiting for the storm to pass uh -huh. and wondering if it really would pass because this was, you know, in the before time, before we had the Weather Channel app on our phone and all those things with the radar that could tell us exactly what's happening. So it was a different world, but I knew immediately when he started telling me that story that this was something that God had worked out. I was delayed in my journey so I'd be at the right time in the right place uh -huh. so that this young man could know that someone really did care, that, that, that what was happening in his life was important and that it was really important for him to find someone to care and to help him get the treatment that he needed, the, the help that he needed to work through the difficult point in his life. That is a mystery how God can put us in the right place in the right time and to have our eyes wide open. I remember a story, uh, My sister, one of my sisters lives in North Carolina and I was driving down, and it's about a seven hour drive, and it was a hot day, and as a priest, I mean, most of the time I'm wearing clerics, and I've just always had the sense of, yeah, it's being available to people. But I was thinking to myself, ah, it's only seven hours, I'm probably gonna stop, maybe gas for one time, and maybe grab lunch, maybe I'll just wear shorts. And I had the sense of like, wear your clerics. And I was like, okay, I mean, it's not a big deal, I, I wear them most of the time anyway. So I decided to wear my clerics. Well, I, I had stopped off for lunch and it had been raining. That's <laughs> interesting. Mm -hmm. And as I'm, I decided I was going to sit in the parking lot and eat my lunch and then take off. And as I'm sitting in the parking lot, a woman pulls up in the rain and she gets out with her child. And as she walks by my car, she sees me. And she comes back and just knocks on my window and said, are you a priest? I said, I am a priest. She's like, would you pray for me because I'm leaving? A, again, it was an abusive situation. Will you pray for him? Let's pray right now. 
And it was because of listening to those little promptings that, you know, that God wanted um, an availability. And we're all called to have that, each in our own way. You don't have to be a, a member of the clergy uh, to be available, that God God wants to to work in our life and to be open to us. And God has done that for us through other people, and we can do that for others. It, it's a beautiful mystery. That's so very true. It, it's incredible the way the Holy Spirit is always working and active in ways that we fail to appreciate sometimes and fully comprehend when it's happening. But then we have this opportunity later to look back and see that all that so much of this has worked out exactly as God wanted it to. And our minor inconvenience really doesn't mean a whole lot in retrospect. Right. How many times have we had those seemingly inconveniences that are all part of God's mysterious plan? I remember one time at a funeral in Westminster, and I only had a short window of time. I think I had another commitment in two other places that day. And I'm like, I have about half an hour to go in and out and to visit the family and spend time with the family. But then I have to go. And as I'm walking out the door, a guy comes up to me and said, can I talk to you for a moment? And I'm thinking like, I don't have time. And then he started talking about uh, something. I was like, actually, this is very important. We should get together and talk. And the whole mystery of in those little in passing where I almost said I don't have time, but I realized even though I didn't have full time to talk then, we set up another time to talk and it's it'd be easy to miss the opportunities so God true. places in our path. So true. Yeah. We're gonna continue talking about this scene and sharing stories of faith to recognize it in our life, to be more aware of it, and to know that summer's a great time to share these stories. So what a great blessing to have Pastor Virgil Kane with us, a friend and a, just, a, just one who loves the Lord. So we'll be right back. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. After 100 years of service to West Baltimore through Bon Secours Baltimore Hospital, the good help of the Sisters of Bon Secours is moving in a new direction. LifeBridge Health plans to acquire the hospital by August. It will no longer be a Catholic institution and will eventually receive a new name. While the Sisters of Bon Secours will no longer be affiliated with the hospital, they will continue to minister to the underserved of West Baltimore through Bon Secours Community Works, a collection of programs and services designed to address public health issues before they require the services of an acute care facility. It's always a bittersweet kind of thing, said Sister Rosemarie Jasinski, leader of the United States Sisters of Bon Secours, which is based in Marriottsville. It's a wonderful experience being in the West Baltimore community for the past 100 years, she said. We feel good about the fact that our presence there will continue. The Sisters Community Works facility includes the Family Support Center, which provides adult education, child care, employment readiness, life skills training, and parenting classes. Career development helps adults to learn skills and find jobs. The Youth Employment and Entrepreneurship Program helps high schoolers find after-school and summer jobs, acquire mentors, plan careers, and train for job acquisition. Bon Secours offers financial awareness as well as a re-entry program for ex-offenders. The Women's Resource Center, located across the street from the main hospital entrance on North Pulaski Street, is a daytime center for women dealing with issues ranging from domestic violence to substance abuse, homelessness, anger, and mental health issues. Another robust program is Revitalize Housing. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. The three parishes of South Washington County grew closer June 9th with a community mass and picnic. 
More than 400 parishioners and community members from St. Augustine in Williamsport, St. James in Boonesboro, and St. Joseph in Hagerstown gathered at the Bandshell in Hagerstown City Park for Pentecost in the Park. To the relief of Father John Jika, pastor, rain in the forecast did not come to fruition, as an unexpectedly sunny day brightened the first joint mass for the pastorate of the Catholic parishes of South Washington County, which was formed in 2017. It's one of the first times all three parishes have come together for a social event, Father Jika said of the fellowship that followed. We thought Pentecost, when we celebrate the birth of the church and the coming of the Holy Spirit, was a good day to do that. It's another opportunity for us to grow closer. Mass was concelebrated in English and Spanish. For more on this story and others, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm George Matisek. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. I'm Father Brian Nolan, a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, and here with Pastor Virgil Kane. Virgil, as I mentioned, is pastor of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America and been a, a friend of mine over the years. The Lord has put us together, and there is that great gift of being one in the body of Christ. There's a, there's a true oneness that we, we do have, and, and today we're talking about seeing and sharing stories of faith. As Virgil was sharing earlier, that desire, there's nothing more unifying than being united in Christ. That's part of the prayer for full Christian unity as well. There's nothing more unifying than being united in Christ. So the more we grow deeper in our being rooted in Jesus Christ, the more we grow deeper with one another. And we want to have that in our families as well. We want to have it in all of our relationships, our families, our friends, those who really mean something to us. Our culture presents us with some really unique challenges, perhaps in the time in which we live, 
because through social media, we have so many opportunities to be connected with so many people at one time. But the difference is the depth of the connection suffers. And so when we're getting together in the summer with our friends, with our families, when we're at a cookout or when we're camping with friends or going to the lake or going to the beach, it's an excellent opportunity for us to always, first and foremost, remember what we, we taught, we, we, what our grandparents taught us from Father Peyton, the family that prays together stays, stays together. together. Yeah, that's that right. is so vital for all of us to understand those prayers that we learn as children from our parents and our grandparents have to be passed along to another generation, not because they won't survive without them, but they can't survive without them. Those prayers are vital. Those are the ways in which we communicate with God and we invite God to communicate with us. And it just, it opens us up in in ways that we can't even begin to fully understand all by ourselves. But the things we learn, the stories that we hear from our family, from our friends, those remain with us forever. We hold fast to those. And sometimes those stories change. I was thinking recently about the story of a somewhat well-known evangelist and an apologist named Robbie Zacharias. Yes. He, he came to Baltimore a few years ago and was at Johns Hopkins University. It was a packed auditorium and they had an overflow crowd. And one of the people he had with him who really drew a lot of attention was a former medical doctor named Dr. Nabil Qureshi, who was a young man in his 30s and who has since passed away. But he was giving extraordinary testimony. Dr. Qureshi grew up a Muslim, and he came to a faith in Christ as a young adult. And his life was transformed. And one of the young people asked him at that event, was it worth it? Dr. Qureshi, was it really worth it to turn your back on your family and everything you had been taught as a child, everything you had believed? And he stopped for a moment, and he looked out at, across the audience and then looked back at the young person who asked him the question. And he said, ever since I've become a Christian, I know that my father never looks at me quite the same way he did before. He was so proud of me as a medical doctor. My mother was very proud of me as well, but she never, she doesn't embrace me the way she used to. And so I understand the deep cost that I have paid to come to believe in Jesus Christ and to find a new life in him. And you're asking me if it was worth it. And I have to tell you, every day, every moment of every day, my new life in Jesus Christ is worth it. And this was an incredible testimony for him to give in front of a, a, a packed audience of mostly college-age young people. It really resonated with the group there. And again, these are the kind of stories that we should be sharing with family when we get together. Because we, we kind of live in a culture that does a quick assessment. Do I want to do this? Do I want to talk about this? Do I want to follow? We, we try to be polite with each other and avoid certain topics and conversations. But the one topic we must never avoid ever is this topic of our belief in Jesus Christ and the life we have in him. It is an extraordinary gift. It's not a burden. It's an opportunity. I have a friend of mine, and I think she was the first person to kind of in a practical way taught me how to evangelize. Because I remember being very intimidated as a fourth grader, them, you know, <laughs> saying like, we're all called to go out. And I remember a picture like as a fourth grader, you, I don't feel like I'm going to be knocking on doors <laughs> at the time. <laughs> that sounded very intimidating. But I had a friend of mine and I noticed just, just as a person, she would say things like, 
Can I tell you something good that happened to me today? Well, who doesn't want to hear something good? The idea of, it was like a faith story of something she had asked God to help her and something happened in a very unique way. And it was just like, whoa, what a great story. And it had nothing to do with whether it didn't try to convince anyone. It just said, I'm just sharing something good that happened to me today. A story of grace or God that is very much alive in my life. I thought that's the most disarming way of sharing faith of just sharing the ways you've seen God moving and acting. That doesn't mean life is, you know, put together in some perfect picture where everything we, we always know what is God asking perfectly. Many times we can be walking in the dark and in foggy times, but the sense of like, I know the Lord is with me. I know the Lord walks with me and little ways that sometimes uh, he make himself apparent in life. These are things we can share. These are awesome things that we must share because we are always reminded that while the, the world has plenty of darkness to share, this light of Christ, as we're reminded in, in the Gospel of John, it will never, ever be extinguished. The light will overcome the darkness. Yeah. It will always shine. Yeah. Any other stories that stand out to you? Well, I, I could tell you another story that I think is really important because you were talking about sharing your faith. And sometimes it's difficult. I think people feel that they have to have some kind of certification almost in the world because we live in a world where everyone is highly educated people have lots of degrees it's very common so even in terms of church we feel that if you don't have a certain certification or you haven't completed a certain program how am i going to share my faith what's that going to look like i remember a time when a young man i knew had a really bad drug problem and he needed someone to accompany him to an AA meeting because he was scared to go by himself. Yeah. So I spoke with the man who was in charge of the AA group and received his permission as a, as a pastor to accompany this young man to the meeting. And I went with him to several of the meetings. But I will never forget this one meeting in particular. Someone was asking this deep question about faith. And without missing a beat, the, the, man, the fellow who was in charge of the group He looked at this young lady thoughtfully and he said, well, you know, it's a really important step that we have in our 12 steps. Come to grips and come to understanding with the higher power, with with the God that you can understand. And he said, and it's not complicated. People may try to tell you that it's complicated, but let's think about this. We know God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what does that mean? He went on to talk about, this is God the Father. You know, the Father who created you. He created everything. And he created you in his image, and he said that you were good. And we can never forget that. You know, a lot of times people in our group here, and he's talking about the people in A, he said, we're all beating ourselves up over things that we've failed to do. But always remember, God the Father created you in his image, and he created you good. And then sin entered in. And that wasn't really God's initial plan for us, but it happened. It entered in, and we and we were not equipped to deal with it. So what did God do? He still loved us anyway. He sent his son, Jesus. He sent his son, Jesus, who would atone for that, who would give up his life, who was willing to lay down his life so that you, you and I can live. And he said, and then he even knew beyond that, that once we came to understand how, how much he loved us, we'd still have these weak moments. So what did he do? He sent his Holy Spirit. He sent out this spirit that would advocate for us. He sent out this this spirit that would help us to withstand all the things that come at us and strengthen us and and even bind us together. And he looked around the group and he said, you see all these people here, we're we're all flawed, we all fall down, but we're also gathered here by God to help care and support for one another. And this is what the image of the church looks like right there. 
Yeah, that's a beautiful, even, even sharing the simplicity of faith, of something as mysterious as the Trinity that was revealed by in Jesus Christ. But well, that he could share faith and even give a kind of a practical understanding of, 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 of that calling and that we can have healing in God himself. And that's something easily shared with family, with friends, in a non-threatening way. It's not judgmental. It's not, it shouldn't be off-putting. It's really invitational. It's an invitation to come and, and think about it a little and participate in a conversation yeah. and think about it a little more deeply. So maybe this can be a great opportunity to rethink of just our faith matters to us. There's some very practical and natural ways that we can share faith with others, whether it's a, a story of good news or a story of faith that we heard. Sometimes uh, someone can share a story of a sermon or a homily, as you mentioned, or even kind of an insight. And those can be great ways of drawing many people closer, ultimately, to stories of faith that, that draws closer to Jesus Christ. What a great blessing to have, my friend, Pastor Virgil Kane. A great blessing having you today. Maybe we can have you back another time. My name is Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Baltimore. May God bless you. And this summer, more and more, see and share stories of faith. May God bless you. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.